Welcome in to Different Times Podcast. This is one of our extremely special 0.5 episodes. I'm here with my hetero life mate, Paul Waller. Hello, I'm here with my charming boudoir buddy, Daniel Sargent. Dan, today we're going to be interviewing Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. Well, to be more accurate, we're actually interviewing Kevin Stars from Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, who is the main uncle. Do you think they're all uncles? Everyone's an uncle at some point. Yeah. Okay. Kevin Starr is his name. So this is, again, one of your interviews that you did a little while back for Penny Black magazine. Yeah, so I did that and... I bet you jumped at the chance for this one, didn't you? I actually asked them if they could get in touch. Because, you know, sometimes you get a hard-on for a band and you just... You need everything by them. Like when I got into Aswad... Spot on like that. They, that was a crazy week. Uh, so yeah, I just bought everything that I could until I had no money left to to spend on records, spend on merch, spend on concert tickets. Tickets that I didn't even end up going to see the band with, I might add. Um, just because, you know, it meant going out. They played the other day, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Were um, you there? I didn't see you there. I was definitely there. Yeah, I must have just missed you. I got into them... Um, I got into them on Mind Control. So. In my notes, I've got Paul's favourite album is Mind Control. It I is. like Bloodlust. That's the one I like. Well, I went back to Bloodlust, and you know, like with like if you get into Bad Religion, it's what album you land on first tends to be your favourite one. Fair. Yeah, fairish. So that sort of happened with me. Although I completely understand why the fan favourite is Bloodlust. There's, there's just. Am I just following the trend here? If you didn't know that, Dan, then didn't. That, that is... I'm changing my favourite. It's now <laughs> volume one. There. I am the coolest. <laughs> I like the early stuff. Get out my face. Oh, man, Do you right. know what made me go, ugh, when I was doing my research on this band? Go on. I didn't realise they're from the UK. They're from Cambridge. And I thought they was from America. Well, yeah. they. You would think so, because they've got that... Just the way they look that, and the yeah, vibe about vibe them. The vibe is very... A cult America, like... Um, I thought they'd come from the desert. I thought they'd be from, like, Arizona or something. I, at the time... So, Uncle Acid, if you want to be more successful, <laughs> move to Arizona. Well, they did the thing. They did the thing where they would keep it stum, so nobody knew anything for quite some time. I think it was only on Mind Control when he started doing interviews. So he might, might have done the odd thing here and there, but very minimal, very small, very underground. And it was on Mind Control where he was just like... Yeah, my name's Kevin, and I, I front Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. Nobody knew nothing. Uh, I wasn't the first, but I was in that first few months where we started doing it, so it was a real honour. And as soon as I saw one, I got in touch with my, my editor, and it's just like, no matter what, can you find out what their PR is? And they hooked me up with an interview. A couple of days later, I was on the phone to him. Bang. 
Boom! Anyway, here we go. This is Uncle Waller talking to Paul and the Deputy. What was it that actually motivated you to think, right, I'm going to put these ideas down and I'm going to release it myself? What was that motivation? Uh, just because I didn't have a job, pretty much. I had nothing else to do. Uh, no real prospects of getting the job. Um, so I was pretty, pretty kind of bummed out about it and just thought, well, fuck it. I've got all these songs. Uh, may as well try and record them and just, you know, just see what happens. And it, just, it all kind of took off, really. I take it were you, you were signing on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was it great when you got to sign off? <laughs> yeah, it was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, then you know, I was kind of balancing um, having a proper job, at, you know, at some point uh, during I guess when bloodlust. Ended up getting a you know a job, and then kind of balancing between recording the music and then you know at the weekends and then working during the week and then eventually. It is an it's an odd one that um with the the music scene being what it is, a lot of the bands they they the only way they can fund themselves is by signing on. You know, even when they're touring and things like that, it's it's so tricky to sort of make ends meet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's the weird thing. So you've got to the point now where um I would say volume one is a distant memory and uh, I read that you want to put it to bed and sort of not really even talk about it anymore is that the case? Uh, no not really I think there's a lot of good songs on, on volume one. Yeah it's uh, great. Yeah just I mean just everyone's always like when's it going to come out when are you going to re-release it um and it's just we don't have the time to do anything like that you know, all, you know we're always writing new stuff and you know, we've got a big tour coming up and things so it's just trying to find time to because it needs remixing and mastering and there's all kinds of problems with that so it will come out eventually you know on vinyl or something at some point and does it bother you that uh, you can just sort of type in uncle acid and deadbeats into say pirate bay which is still about now and you can sort of just pick it up straight away and it's some sort of in, in that old I mean, form i guess for, for volume one it, it doesn't bother me because you know there's no real way of getting it otherwise um because um, yeah because we only did like well that's how I got it and uh, yeah I, I, I guess I was a bit frustrated because I've um, yeah. decided not to download any more yeah, music I mean, illegal yeah. so. I totally understand um, it's just I guess we want it I want it to be perfect to be able to re-release it I wouldn't be happy if I just re-released it at the minute the way it is you know it's, there's a lot of work that needs doing to it I think so Well, uh, we'll get get to this this new record, which uh, which I say is sort of changed my outlook on music yet again. And um, with mind control, did you, did you when you were actually recording it, did you feel like, hang on, this this is gonna be sort of a breakthrough record for me? Because obviously there was things going on in the background. Your popularity seemed day by day to be growing. Was there that sort of feeling that mm, something could happen here? I thought it could either go two ways. It could either be a really good record for us or it could just destroy us because it wasn't really what a lot of people wanted. It was different to what 
really want to give them that. So it, I thought it could either go two ways. You know, either people are going to love it or they're just going to think this is terrible. And, Did you have any like uh, negative uh, fans that were that were in love with Bloodlust that uh, just reacted yeah. in a bad way? Yeah, I think there, there, there's been a few. Um, they just either they've not given it a chance, they've just dismissed it based on you know a couple of singles that they've heard or whatever, or they've just not bothered to kind of get into it. Um, but for me, I think it's a better album than Bloodlust. But you know, it just depends on what what you're wanting from that. And some people think it's too thing when a band gets bigger than what they want you to be and it's kind of oh you know everyone loves them now everyone's talking about them i don't like them anymore so, <laughs> you, know, so you get a lot of that as well but that doesn't matter. <laughs> well i guess, I guess uh, you know i i'm myself guilty of that sort of thing but yeah, so am I, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time you know when something's good something's good and yeah, yeah, of course, of course. that's the way that goes uh, did you um with the concept of it did you base it on any true stories? I mean, obviously Charles Manson comes to mind, but was there there anything that you've read that you thought, right, that's it, this is what this one's going to be about, or was it something from your own imagination? It's just kind of from my own imagination. Really. I mean, a lot of it is based on Charles Manson. Um, but the lyrics to Poison Apple, for example, kind of reference a lot of the things that he says. And on the song Devil's Work... I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work that's taken from Tex Watson who you know was involved in killing Sharon Tate and all that kind of thing so it was it references that a little bit but a lot of it's just a complete like, fantasy really Last night I watched a documentary that was on YouTube and uh, about the, the girls um, and it was the first time I saw the footage of them it's so freaky of them yeah. walking to court all singing in harmony <laughs> it's frightening <laughs> uh, right, well, uh, if I can just talk a, a little bit more about Mind Control. How do you feel now it's out? Do you feel like you would change anything in it, or are you really happy with what's come out? Because I tell you, when I listen to it, I wouldn't want to change a thing. Yeah, neither would I. I think it's. I think we did a good job. Um, maybe. Maybe the mix. You always sort of hear things and think, oh, I wish I could have just turned that down a little bit or turned that up and balanced it a little bit better. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter. It's 18, it's, it came out pretty good, I think. And um, does the record label at all keep you in sort of, does it does it inform you of how many copies that Mind Control selling? Uh, they have. They've sent me statements recently, but I can't really remember what, <laughs> what the numbers were. But it seems to have sold pretty well, so. Because, uh, I mean, I've, I've read an interview um, uh, when I was researching this, uh, sort of the older interviews when um, Bloodlust uh, was out and it was your latest record. And it, everything seemed so minuscule. Like, like, uh, and, and you seemed like, not that you weren't fussed about any of that, but it just was like not even a second thought. It was a third or fourth thought. You didn't really care. You just wanted to make the music. And that's what comes across with Uncle Acid is that everything like that is third or fourth. What, you, yeah. what you're interested in is just releasing good record after good record. Yeah, exactly. I mean, put a lot of effort into, you know, coming up with the concepts and the songs. Every song has to be like a, a strong hit almost, 
you know what I mean? It's got it's got to all tie in as well, so it's a lot of effort goes into it. And the, you know how many it sells. It's nice to sell a lot of records, I guess, but it, the product itself is is what's you know the most important thing. Getting that in the artwork and everything together as a one package. And what about the, the label? How did you uh, hook up with them? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? Are you sending them tapes? been a great day when that email was in your inbox there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, right, uh, one other thing I really want to know about uh, Mind Control is the front cover. Um, who designed it and uh, how much input do you have? Do you have all the input? Yeah, that was me. Um, oh. uh, yeah, I had to design everything and, and uh, I have to take control of everything. It's great. It's such an odd cover. It, it's sort of once you know what's going on within the record, yeah. yeah, it makes complete sense. But without it, it's just it's one of those things that what the hell's this about? You know, it's really yeah, odd. I think that that sort of put a lot of people off. They wanted something sort of I don't know, like some blood thing on the front or something, you know, something really psychedelic or weird. And we just kind of went in, in a completely different direction and gave them. happy with um, the fact that you're not really fitting in with any scene at all. You're not fitting in with the doom scene, you're not fitting in with the psychedelic scene, scene. it's a bit of everything going yeah, on. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. You can't really try and jump on any band. I mean, a lot of bands are doing it. There's this whole occult thing that was going on and everyone was trying to get onto the occult rock bandwagon and they were trying to push us on that, which has nothing to do with us. You know, we don't have any... Our songs are about Was it something that you sort of actively try and avoid when you're writing? It, like if some if the riff is a bit too doomy or or if this passage is a bit too psychedelic, do you think, well, hang on, we don't want to be lumped in there? It's just whatever, whatever comes out and whatever sounds good, we'll just stick with it. Really. <laughs> good man. I've got a few more questions if I can. First of all, touring with Black Sabbath. What the hell? That was When I read that, I just thought, oh, my life. I couldn't believe it. I imagine you were much the same. Um, yeah. Please tell us a little bit about it. And like, first of all, when you first heard, and then uh, what was it actually like? Um, first heard in Germany, I think it was. I got a phone call from a booking agent, and he just said, "You've got the Black Sabbath to Guys, and it was, yeah, it was incredible. And how did their, their crowd find you? 
Yeah, were, I mean, I think Europe was a lot more responsive than the UK. I think, I don't want to generalise, but the, the European audiences tend to be more open to new music. Um, whereas in the UK, it seemed a lot of people just wanted to hear, they wanted Motorhead support and not Megadeth or one of the old bands that they knew and, you know, that, you know, this, those kind of bands support arenas all the time you know it's, yeah and newer bands never get a chance and it seemed the european audiences were really responsive but then you know the uk audiences as well especially in birmingham they were great um the two birmingham dates you know we weren't sure how we were going to go you know go over in birmingham but they were they were probably two of our best shows i had a a friend that saw saw you there and they contacted me because they knew i was doing this and and that's what that show turned them on to you. So I, I guess, you know, that's what it's all about, really, when that, you get yeah, to play with these big bands. Yeah, that's, that's the reason, obviously, we wanted to do it, because it was Black Sabbath, but just the chance to try and make new fans and, you know, turn people on to the music. That's, that's the main objective. So when it when the tour finished, I mean, it's got to be a bit of a come down. You're playing these massive shows, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, you're sort of sitting back at... Uh, <laughs> how's, that, how's that feel? Is it, how do you deal with it? I'm going to sort of just quick go back to a couple of other questions because I just thought something. That these, uh, you were insistent, well, not insistent, but just didn't see the point of doing photo shoots. And now there's a, a few doing the rounds. I just wonder how you actually felt. Did you feel like a bit of a, a Burke posing for them? Or, or? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's just not something uh, for me. I don't see it really being relevant. I mean, Rise Above must have been well chuffed with, with you doing it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they were quite insistent that, you know, it's, you know, if you want to sell records, you, you've got to make some compromises with things. And, you know, it wasn't a compromise on the music, so it was, I thought, well, okay, I'm not compromising on that much. I'll just we'll do a couple of pictures. Well, two more questions. First of all, Charles Manson cover, uh, Get On Home. Uh, when did you record it? Is that the most recent thing you've done, or did you record it at the same time as those mind control sessions? That was recorded afterwards, um, probably last summer, I think, at the end of the summer. Um, yeah, I can't really remember much about that, but I just thought it would be a good idea to do something a bit, a bit weird. And uh, any more covers? that you're thinking maybe maybe you were attacked so obviously now that the band's a bit bigger there's b-sides to think about and things like that um maybe acoustic versions of songs that we've already recorded oh wow yeah that could be something possible and uh i've got a final question if i may you must have thought about what's next um mind control's been out a fair fair while now what what's going on in your head have you got a new concept any plans yeah, there's some ideas at the minute. Um, we might have... I'm not sure if 
Oh, completely new. Yeah. And then that's that's kind of just sort of tying up the whole mind control era. It's kind of part of that whole concept, and it's just a nice way of closing that chapter sort of thing. And then hopefully at the end of this year we'll maybe be able to record. So. That is music to my ears. Uh, Kevin, just want to say thanks a lot for giving up. I know it's uh, just uh, 20 minutes or so, but I really do appreciate it. All right, and uh, uh, keep on rocking, my man. All right, have a good one. Bye-bye. There you go. That was Kevin Starr and me having a chinwag back in the... Oh, I don't know, maybe that was... Five years ago now? Fucking hell. It was old, man, old. 2013, actually, on the release of Mind Control. Um, obviously, you've probably just seen that they've played, we mentioned it yeah, before. Yeah, we were definitely there. Definitely there. We, um, let me think, they played just now in January. This is probably going to come out beginning of Feb. Depends how quick my fingers are on the old editing. Well, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed those shows. Uh, I, I, of course, missed it. Blood Ceremony, my current favourite band, except for Cocaine Piss, oh, played. Hi. Come off it. Cocaine Piss are awesome. Well, oh. Unbelievable. This That's... is an argument for another time when you're not listening. Okay. All right. Anyway, cheers, Kevin, and cheers, Uncle Acid in the Deadbeats, for giving up a bit of your time. We'll see you on Saturday. Dan, any final words? Love you. Bye. Bye.